South Sudan in focus on the voice of America. I'm John Tanza in Washington, working on this program very remote. Here are some of the top stories making news across South Sudan this Monday, October 10, 2022. South Sudan's immigration officials detain Ethiopians and Eritreans who entered the country illegally. We received uh, 10 people from Paluit. Uh, they were uh, put in the plane by the people who are there. And we are still investigating who are the people who put them in force. And the Catholic Bishop of Yambio Tambora Diocese says South Sudan lacks quality education. We need a partnership, we need support to help us to provide a learning space for our children. I really advocate both for secondary school, primary school, and of course, we have Okelo Open University, branch of the Catholic University in Yambio. We'll have these stories and more coming up on South Sudan in focus. The South Sudan government says it is preparing to deport more than 20 Ethiopians and Eritrean nationals accused of entering the country illegally. An official with the South Sudan Interior Ministry says the immigrants were arrested at Juba International Airport. For VOA News, Sheila Pony reports from Juba. General Atem Marolbiar, Director General for Civil Registry, Nationality, Passport and Immigration at South Sudan's Ministry of Interior says some of the Ethiopians and Illusions were detained at Kololo over the weekend. Biar says some of the immigrants entered South Sudan through Paloj and proceeded to Juba where they were apprehended. We received uh, 10 people from uh, Paloj. Uh, they were put in the plane by the people who are there. And we are still investigating who are the people who put them in force into the plane. They arrived here, we captured them, they are now in Kololo. So we have planned that, we have decided as a, a directed to deport them back. General B.R. says another 13 foreigners arriving on a flight from Bentu were also detained at Juba International Airport and awaiting deportation. We received 13 from Bentu. In the same scenario, they were put on the plane by force. They are now in the jail. We plan their deportation back to where they, they will go. South Sudan security officials say the country has a major transit point for migrants from the Horn of Africa seeking to start a new life. A 27-year-old Elitian woman who prefers to remain anonymous for security reasons is among those facing deportation. She says she fled her country and sought refuge in Sudan. She admitted traveling to South Sudan illegally due to what she calls difficult procedures for obtaining refugee status in Sudan. I came uh, to Sudan and then I tried to take refugee card and everything there, but since the condition of Sudan, it was not uh, possible this place, so I have to come here. And I came here, but uh, this thing happened. Everything is illegally because we, we cannot take a passport legally. Uh, 
takes time. Even in Sudan, I tried to, but uh, it takes lots of time. Biaru says immigration officers have encountered illegal migrants from Sudan, Eritrea, or Ethiopia who arrived in South Sudan without proper documentation. The Eritrean woman says she's looking for better opportunities in South Sudan. We were uh, about uh, Ten, I think. Me and that lady and the others, there were some. Uh, we want to seek a refugee and then we want to have a better life. I mean, to work, uh, at least to have studies. That's why we all came here. Everybody wants to work or to learn or to reunite with the family who lives here. We were uh, ten, up to ten people. We came illegally. But uh, when we reached there, I thought it was free. I thought uh, it was okay, but uh, they took us here. At least I don't want to talk about politics. Okay. I know we are in trouble, but sorry. They are advised aviation authorities in Juba to adhere to immigration procedures regulating entry into South Sudan. If a plane came with the people again, I direct them. The same plane must take that people back to where they were actually came from. So that one must be order, because we cannot continue to see people who does not have a document from different countries. It will make our country to be the, the risk county, because we don't know why the reason they don't have a document. And the person who does not have a document from his own country, he, he's not a good person. He warned immigration officials not to help people who do not have valid entry documents. For VOA News, I am Sheila Pony in Juba. The Catholic Diocese of Yambio Tombore is joining other Catholic believers across South Sudan in celebrating the Catholic Education Day in remembrance of Daniel Comboni, an Italian priest who dedicated his life in establishing primary and secondary schools across the country. The Bishop of Yambio Tombore Diocese says provision of quality education is a major challenge in South Sudan. Bishop Eduardo Hiboro Kosala says... South Sudan could be peaceful if education is provided across the country. He challenged aid agencies to invest in secondary schools and support efforts of the Catholic Church in South Sudan. We have taken upon ourselves this role as a Catholic Church. That's what we are celebrating as a Catholic Education Day. We refer it to three people. The parents need to take a maximum care to encourage children to go to school to support and care and, and help them uh, to find better learning the second group are the teachers the teachers include also the community leaders the concerned community members to offer quality education means to give to children what to really can help them in their life and for their country it, it putting into them the values of the nation, the values of life, and the values of work and honesty. Then the third party are the students themselves. They need to know that they are the, the focal point of the society. They are important. They, they are the future of the nation. And so they need to follow what is provided to them. Now, when a country uh, occupies itself with these three people, the, 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 the parents, the, 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 the teachers, and the students, then the end result is that you bring out a proper human being who is a, a God-fearing and who also loves his or her society, his community. You are talking about parents, students, and teachers. You seem to have left an important stakeholder, and that's the government. 
The duty of the government is service delivery. Why are you not including them in your group of stakeholders? <laughs> uh, no, no, no. Actually, the, the church doesn't take uh, the role of the government in terms of education. Uh, we supplement the efforts of the government. And our church, as you know, uh, John, uh, the Catholic Church, even throughout the, before the independence of Sudan and for the independence of South Sudan. We in this country have been very much in the forefront of providing education for uh, our citizens, our faithful, because the word of God is, is itself a, a message that is to be learned and communicated. So we have to prepare people to receive this word of God and also to be able to communicate. So for us, we are so much to the element of education. But as we do this education, we do not uh, like compete with the government, but we in effect require the government to provide the, the environment that is needed, to provide the support that is required, and to invest into a quality, into a proper education. Bishop Hiboro, I must thank the Catholic Church for providing education to South Sudanese. I'm a product of the Catholic education. And my point here is the needs of the people in South Sudan are so huge. And most villages in the country have no schools. I witnessed this situation in Tore Payam of the Catholic Diocese of Yei in Central Equatorial State. How is the church handling the situation? Sometimes it's difficult to provide learning programs within those villages. What you say is true. Tore is bordering my diocese. And let me tell you, like, right from behind, from Meridi, Meridi town is actually a bit uh, like it has some schools. But when you go beyond Meridi towards Mundri, and then you take the road going to Yei, I think until you enter your town, there's no school. There are no schools. And children, you can know that a generation is lost. And we are in danger because when we have such a number who do not go to school, so they are, we, we should be ready to face them in any way they might react to the society. And and it's not only that area, such a huge part of the diocese as well, do not have a school. Sometimes we, the, the infrastructure is not there, but you only insist to gather children under the tree and you can imagine the quality that will be provided. So this is a, 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 a wake-up call both to all of us, the government and all those who actually have benefited from education. We really need, if we want to solve the mess, I mean, the problems we have, we are facing in the country, the, the lack of uh, uh, well-trained human resource, poor quality of maybe a certain performances, we need to go back to education. You sound like you have a fire in your belly when it comes to issues to do with education. You've taken upon yourself a huge task in a country with limited resources. Where do you get your support for providing education in your diocese? We need a partnership. We need support to help us provide a learning space for our children. I really advocate both for secondary school, primary school, and of course, we have actually open a university, a branch of the Catholic University in Yambio. That again needs a tremendous support. But of course, we are not going to, stay set, uh, to sit back. We will continue to use what we have to provide learning space for our people. And uh, I'm asking the whole country, asking the government of South Sudan and the rest of the friends, and especially also the, NGO, the international NGOs, that so much they say they are focusing on, but leaving education aside, 
then I think that's not uh, getting the right uh, uh, support for the country. We will give the food today, tomorrow. And uh, we, we, people are still hungry. So what do we look for the right diagnosis? What is the sickness of, in the country? For me, I call it uh, education is our sickness. It is education is the oxygen for South Sudan to survive. So everybody should let us mobilize our energy to make sure that no child is left out. When we talk about education, we don't mean a white-collar job, but to give them the skill, technical school. Again, by, uh, John, in the whole area, Western Equatoria, we have no technical school. Can you imagine? That's Bishop Eduardo Hiboro Kosala, the Catholic diocesan bishop of Yambio Tombura. He spoke with me from the Ugandan capital, Kampala, on Sunday. Health officials in South Sudan say many South Sudanese are suffering from mental health disorders following years of violent conflict in the country. South Sudan's Minister of Health says mental health is ignored in the country. She says most of the mentally ill people in South Sudan are sent to prison where they are kept without treatment. For VOA News, Manyang David Mayar reports from Juba. 24-year-old Agag Henry says she was diagnosed with a mental disorder after having struggled with an unknown illness for years. Henry says seven years ago, she was referred to Juba Teaching Hospital Psychiatric Department for treatment. They discovered it in 2015. Uh, that time I was very sick. I just started fasting. I was fasting for four days. I don't eat and I don't uh, take water. I was having malaria too much. Uh, then I, they brought me to to one of the hospitals here, Ai South Sudan. Then uh, they say that they supposed to bring me here to Atong. Then I came to Doctor Atong, and uh, she she actually seen that that is uh, mental health disease. So they give me the medication. I was feeling well for one month only. I could recognize everyone. But that time, I just know my mom only. Henry says doctors at the psychiatric department helped her on her path toward recovery. She says since receiving treatment, she resumed her studies at South Sudan's University of Upper Nile as a third-year student in the College of Medicine. Speaking today in Juba at a World Mental Health Day event, South Sudan Health Minister Yolanda Wilding says after emerging from a long period of war, South Sudan is undergoing what she calls intergenerational trauma that she says must be addressed. Somebody might give birth to their child in the town, but they will show sign of illness. It is not because they are wishing, but because our DNA decodes these things. If our DNA decodes trauma that happened generations ago, we need to break that cycle. And that circle will be broken by celebrating what we are doing today and putting measures in place. Minister Will, who is also a mental health expert, says mental health is the most ignored health problem in the country. She says her ministry is working to address the challenges of mental health, including stigma and treatment of people with mental health problems. Our South Sudanese community is very quick with stigma. As I'm standing with you here, I have clients or patients locked up in prison because their families see them, the Majinun Saket. Besides being a minister, I have the title called Dr. Batamajani, Berutandenka, Dr. Amol. But you know, labeling a mental health expert like that or somebody sick like that 
Major General Lokudu El Haj Nicolas, Deputy Director for Juba Central Prison, confirms that several families have forced their loved ones suffering from mental illness into Juba Central Prison. He says prison is not the right place for the mentally ill. And I'm grateful today that there is a mental asylum here in Juba Teaching Hospital. And I think that is the way forward because mostly people are looking that anybody who is having a mental problem is sent to prison. And prison is not the right place for mentally ill. Mentally ill is somebody who is sick, need to be treated, need to have treatment. So prison by itself, if you are now sent to prison, you will be traumatized. Dr. Fabian Denzako, country director for the World Health Organization in South Sudan, says the WHO has formed plans to fund and support people with a mental health condition around the world, including those in South Sudan. In August this year, there was a regional committee meeting of which uh, South Sudan also participated. There was a launch of global mental health plan which is very comprehensive the plan has highlighted the need for member states including south sudan to invest in mental health programs to make sure we have resources that should address the mental health issues to make sure we have enough healthcare workers to Denzako says the World Health Organization released a global mental health report in June, which indicated mental health is a big concern. He says in Africa alone, at least 116 million people have mental health conditions. For VOA News, Amanyang David Mayer in Juba. Listening to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. Coming up, what are the benefits of going green? Find out more after the break. What do you think? People speak out on important questions. The question today. What do you do on the weekends? Over the weekend, uh, uh, we I happen to read my books, the novels, and uh, sometimes I go for my leisure time, play pool tables, and uh, watch uh, football because I'm fan of Arsenal. Weekends, most of the time, I listen to music. I go to the beach. I hang out with my friends. Sometimes I go to the clubs, but mostly, most of my time, I'm always with my mom. It is very good. Weekend is something where you can enjoy your life with either your wife, friends, girlfriends, your friends, and colleagues sometimes. So it can be in, in form of swimming, playing footballs, and watching football. I'm a great fan of football. What do you think? A daily discussion of important questions from VOA. You are listening to South Sudan in Focus on The Voice of America. Kenya has launched a green economy that will encourage the adoption of electric motorbikes. 
The Kenya Commercial Bank and United Nations Institute for Training and Research are working to accelerate the use of vehicles among border-border or taxi drivers. Operators say the idea is timely as fuel prices are on the rise. Moreno Giambo reports from Nairobi. The Green Economy Project, which is scheduled for completion in 2026, could mean significant progress among youths and women entrepreneurs. Pius Masinde is the senior advisor for the United Nations Institute of Training and Research. He explains the aim of the effort in Kenya and East Africa. We are here to launch a project that has been designed to address some of these challenges by promoting the development of a green economy, inclusive equality education and conflict-sensitive practices among youth and women entrepreneurs. We want to have made a significant progress towards promoting green entrepreneurship. The Chief Executive Officer, Kenya Commercial Bank Group, Paul Russo, says the transition to a green energy is inevitable. We want to transition to 25% of the loan portfolio to be green. So this, this, this is huge in terms of heading to that direction. The electric motorbike is designed to run just fine in both urban and rural environments following research in developing an ideal electric vehicle for the African market. The motorbike will cost close to 1,800 US dollars, about double the cost of the cheapest ones now available. The chairman of the Border Board Association of Kenya, Kevin Mubadi, says the move will help address the high cost of fuel that most motorcycle riders are experiencing. Today is a, a very important day in the border border life. And um, when you look at the current uh, economy structure, we find that the petrol has become very expensive. And this makes our young people, they are not making anything from riding a motorcycle at the moment. So coming up with such uh, innovations is very important for us as the young people in the border border sector. Assistant Director at the Ministry of Industrialization, Stephen Odua, says the efforts resonates with Kenya's industrialization agenda, which focuses on the use of green technology. Kenya, besides being the headquarter of several UN bodies, has embraced the 17 UN Sustainable Development Goals and is also a signatory to the COP26 that is committed to reducing the carbon print especially in the manufacturing sector. According to the United Nations Environment Program, UNEP, the lack of access to energy supplies and transformational systems limits human and economic development. Currently, fossil fuels contribute to 80% of global energy and 66% of electricity, contributing approximately to 60% of greenhouse gas emissions responsible for climate change. Kenya's move will bring a change to public transport, as will the country recent launch of the first ever electric bus designed in Africa. Reporting for VA, I am Moreno Jumbo in Nairobi, Kenya. Next, an editorial reflecting the views of the United States government. The risk of conflict-induced famine and widespread food insecurity is upon us, according to the United Nations. Today, 345 million people in 80 countries are marching towards starvation. We can clearly see how conflict is causing hunger across the world, said U.S. Representative to the United Nations, Linda Thomas-Greenfield. Four areas in particular are now projected to face widespread and catastrophic levels of food insecurity. Ethiopia, Northeast Nigeria, Yemen, and South Sudan. 
and Ethiopia, 20 million people are facing food insecurity. Farms have been damaged and looted. Harvest in Tigray, for example, produced half their typical output last year, and supply lines have been severely disrupted. We call on the government of Ethiopia, the Tigrayan authorities, and all parties to allow unhindered delivery of humanitarian relief, said Ambassador Thomas Greenfield. In northeast Nigeria, over 4 million people will experience high levels of food insecurity. Almost 8 million people in a country that is rich in resources. We call on the government of South Sudan to issue a decree mandating the free, unimpeded, unhindered movement of humanitarian assistance and protection for humanitarian workers. It is time for all parties to end hostilities. In Yemen, the truce has brought some relief to civilians, but it has not been enough to reverse one of the world's most desperate humanitarian crises, said Ambassador Thomas Greenfield. Over 19 million are facing food insecurity. In South Sudan, over 60% of the population will experience crisis or worse levels of acute food insecurity. The severity in some areas is the highest we've seen in almost a decade. Farmers are worried about being attacked. They're abandoning their farms. That means fewer farms and fewer crops and more displacement and more suffering. Finally, parts of Somalia are teetering on the edge of famine. For our part, since February, the United States has provided over $5.7 billion in humanitarian assistance to food security operations. But we know we can't do this alone, and we know it's not enough, said Ambassador Thomas Greenfield. We will continue to use every diplomatic tool in our arsenal to tackle the food insecurity crisis head on. And we call on every other country to do the same. While the challenge can feel overwhelming, we must remain focused and we must stop famine before it happens. That was an editorial reflecting the views of the United States government. South Sudan in focus is now on WhatsApp. Send us a message on plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. Tell us what's happening in your area or give us your feedback on the stories you hear on South Sudan in focus. We look forward to hearing from you on WhatsApp. That number again, plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. That's all we prepared for you this Monday. Don't forget to check out voaafrica.com for all your favorite programs and news updates. And for world news, go to voanews.com. If you miss this broadcast, go to voanews.com forward slash South Sudan. We now leave you with Mawa and the song Beledi.
Listening to Mawa and the song Beledi, I'm John Tanz in Washington. Thanks for taking time to be with us this evening. Remember to join us again tomorrow for another edition of South Sudan in Focus from the Voice of America.